This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. For the beginning of a new decade, welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys. I'm Trevor Ickrath. And while I would love to tell you that I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Dylan Flynn, I'm afraid he won't be able to uh, join me in person for this episode. I'd explain why, but that's like a really long story, so I'll just say that it's related to some of the stuff we've been talking about recently on our uh, Patreon show. But anyways, we didn't want to let our inability to sit down in front of microphones together come in the way of giving our beloved audience a new episode of Howly Monkeys. Uh, right when they need it. And when do you need an episode of a Gorillaz-themed podcast more than when there's a new Gorillaz movie, right? I'm talking, of course, about uh, Reject False Icons, the recently released Gorillaz Phase 4 and 5 behind-the-scenes tour documentary filmed and directed by, uh, you know, Jamie Hewlett's son and hopefully future friend of the show, if I'm not being too optimistic, Denim Hewlett. Uh, now, I believe this thing is currently available to view on YouTube uh, in all its uncut glory, but last December of uh, 2019, Dylan and I had the pleasure of getting to see it in an actual movie theater. We weren't able to go together because we live in different states, uh, and we didn't have a lot of time at the moment to sit down and record a whole podcast about the film, because, you know, the holidays are crazy. But uh, we, we both still really wanted to share our experiences with each other and with you guys, so... Dylan came up with uh, this idea to plan a series of phone calls, both with me and with some other friends of the show, to be conducted both before and after we watched the movie, in order to, you know, capture the magical excitement that's only in the air when Gorillaz put something out. And so what we're going to be doing today is listening to those phone calls Dylan made and hearing everyone's hopes, experiences, and thoughts on Reject False Icons. Consider this the first Hallelujah Monkeys telethon, if you will. That being said, I guess without any further ado, let's uh, go to the phones and listen to our first call, which takes place the morning of the film's release and features Dylan and I talking about what we're expecting to see when we finally get to watch Reject False Icons. This is Trevor Ickraff, host of Hallelujah Monkeys, uh, the number one gorilla podcast in the world. Uh, Trevor Ickraff. Uh, I am calling you because it's Gorilla's Day all across the globe, and I have one. I have a handful of questions for you. My first question for you is, what is the name of the theater that you are seeing Reject False Icons at tonight, and what time are you seeing Reject False Icons tonight? I'm going to my local Santa Monica Arclight, uh, which is one of my favorite Los Angeles-based uh, movie theater chains. I really like the way they send one of their employees out before the showtime to come say hello to you and thank you for visiting and stuff like that. And I'm seeing it at uh, 7 p.m., which I think was the only showing. Uh, and give me a temperature for, and don't feel the need to pump this up, just because you're the co-host of the number one gorillas podcast in the world. I want a straight shooting number to quantify the amount of hype that you feel in your body for this movie right now. Well, Dylan, I'm glad you gave me that little intro because I may be the uh, host of the number one girls podcast in the world, but I can't say I'm feeling too particularly hyped for this film that we're going to go see tonight. 
mainly because of some of these early reviews I've seen coming in, where uh, people are are saying mainly like it doesn't really offer a lot of insight into the band or its creative process or the stuff going on behind the scenes. From what I can tell, it really just sounds like you know our boy Denim Hewitt kind of took a bunch of like Instagram live videos and stirred them together into some kind of ninety minute look at the Gorillas live touring band. Which I don't I don't know how exciting that is for me, you know? I just haven't seen too many people with too much to say about this other than yeah, it's an interesting I mean, it's a look at the live setup, maybe not even an, an interesting one, but you know, hey, I'm a Gorillas fan. If it means going to sit in a dark room and hear some Gorillas music on some high quality speakers for ninety minutes or so, I'm still gonna enjoy it. So I mean You have buttons in your soul, Trevor to be pushed that a, that a, a common reviewer for the daily mail for the guardian etc just doesn't have in there that's true you know i'm a i'm a i'm a gorillas fan in a way so maybe it'll appeal to me in a way that it's not appealing to more casual viewers i want to get your prediction on what kind of a damon albarn we're going to see this time around are we going to see are we going to see like a kinder gentler settled i'm i'm a dad now i'm 50 Sweetheart Damon, or will there be some sign of the of the effigy Damon, for lack of a better term, the the, the prickly, the the maybe a little egotistical Damon? If I had to guess, I don't think we're going to see Damon wild out too much in this one. I think he's kind of going to be playing a more of a backseat role to the live band and the collaborators and stuff like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were, like, a few instances of some classic Damon impish behavior, you know? I hope we get to see him throw up. I wonder if that's still a thing he does. Oh, that'd be great, right? I hadn't even thought about that. It would really make it feel like a true sequel to Bananas. Because, it would. I mean, that was, half what, that was half of what that movie was. If he tries to throw a cigarette into his mouth, though, it'll just feel like he's trying to recapture the magic. Oh, yeah, that would definitely be diminishing returns, for sure. Uh... Trevor Webster's dictionary defines an icon as a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. In your opinion, in society today, who's an example of a false icon? Well, I mean, the, the big one that springs to mind is, you know, the, uh, the, the Dorito in chief himself, Donnie Trump. <laughs> Hey, I wouldn't mind as a moviegoer to see a dig or two at uh, who I like to call the Cheeto-in-Chief. I mean, if there's, if there's one thing we've established over the past two days of Gorillaz, it's that Damon is not a big fan of the guy himself, so hopefully he gets a, a little, a few shots in at the guy. You know, that'll satisfy me. I love it. I love it. Very edgy. Uh, okay, Trevor, we're going to... We're gonna. I'm gonna leave you there. We're gonna meet back up at the end of all of this. Oh, you know what? Fuck it. Since it's you, since it's you and you're my boy, I'll go ahead and give you my answers too. Yeah, I want to know how how are you feeling going into this? Are you ready to reject some false icons? I'm gonna give myself a five on the hype meter, just because I feel I, like that's probably what I, I I didn't give a number earlier. That's probably what I would say as well. A five. Because I'm, I'm kind of, I'm tepid like you, but I'm at least open to the idea that maybe this movie will have, like, you know, my number. Uh, I, I heard Vince Staples steals the show, so I'm looking forward to that. Love Vince. He's always a fun character. Maybe he'll give us a taste of that, that eff effigy energy if Damon doesn't. He's always known for being pretty irreverent on Twitter, so maybe some of that energy will bleed through into his performance in this film. 
maybe he'll convince me to get a, a cranberry sprite. You never know. Who knows? Uh, and I also I think that I think that we might see a little bit of a of a shitty prickly Damon. I feel like I know that it's going to be. A, a little different having your 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 best friend's son making your movie, but I just got this weird feeling that maybe we'll see Damon snap at somebody uh, over the course of this movie, which I am all for. I, I really want to. I guess see it, it depends on like what side uh, Denim comes down on. You know how he feels about Damon. That could be interesting to interpret. From what I've heard, Jamie is not in this movie like at all, which I know is kind of weird, far right? for the course weird. when it comes to gorillas. But you would expect that his son directing the project you'd expect it to be like a little different this time around right i know i know he's kind of the russell of the band a little bit <laughs> i know people like to compare him to murdoch but he is kind of the russell of the band and i gotta say my false icon for some reason for whatever reason and i think it might be when all those people were like donating money to try to help her become the youngest female billionaire in the world kylie jenner really does strike me as like as a a false icon with a lot of organizing power uh, for some reason. I don't know why. I wouldn't mind to see. Uh, wouldn't mind to see the 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 four animated terrors from from the UK dig in at all at Kylie. Say, hey, you're you're not an icon. You're a false icon. That sounds like a great movie. Does it feel like a kind of arbitrarily named project to you? I don't see what like a, a slogan they came up with. 10 years ago by this point, 15 years ago by this point, has anything to do with like a live tour documentary. I bet you uh, behind the scenes there's some logic there, but this movie isn't going to explain it to us. Yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do not even touch on the phrase in the movie. Um, well, uh, I guess that, that takes us where we need to go, Trevor. Let's go ahead and check back in after the film tonight. And we'll give our we'll give our first impressions uh, together on the mic. What do you say? I'm looking forward to talking to you about this film after I see it, buddy. All right. I don't remember our regular sign off, but the episode isn't over anyway. So talk to you then. We've still got some time to remember it. <laughs> All right. Later, man. Oh, later. Wow, that was just like a classic episode of everyone's favorite gorillas podcast, Howly Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Far cry from the kingdom of ashes that the show currently resembles can't even sit down together and do an episode we got to record our phone calls yeesh anyway as you could tell from the call we were both kind of feeling lukewarm about the film uh there were you know some mediocre reviews going in that were tempering my expectations in particular i don't really need to sum up every call we listen to right you you hear them so you'll know what's going on. You don't need real. You don't really need my color commentary. I'm trying to get this thing together. You know. Let's. Uh, that being said, let's uh, take a listen to our next phone call. Uh, after he talked to me, Dylan decided to uh, give a call to good friend of the show and honorary third Hallelujah monkey himself, Maxton Stenstrom. Let's go to the phones. Mm, this is Maxton Stenstrom. And you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Max and Centrum, hello and welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys. Nice to see you again, uh, 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 my friend, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> it's December 16th, 
right now, which by my count is the, uh, is that the second day of Christmas? No, third day of Christmas? I'll figure it out. We're in the middle of like a global gorillas rollout event right now. I guess so, huh? Yeah, because it's going to be, this is it. This is Gorillas Day. We're going to, we're all across planet Earth. We as Gorillas fans are going to see Reject False Icons, the new documentary spanning phases four and five in theaters. We are. And that's why I'm calling you today, Max, and as you probably suspected. I, I, I had a hunch. Dylan, would you, would you start this off by telling me how you feel about Reject False Icons? and what you are looking forward to and hoping to see and expecting? Answer, no. Because I'm (laughs) saving that for later in the episode. But I'm going to run you through a format. Okay, okay? cool. Yes, cool. This will be perfect. This will be perfect. Okay. You are going to see the film tonight. What is the name of your theater and what time is your showing? Oh, my God. I don't even know the answer to this. Hang on. I'll I'm driving. It. I'll find it. To, I'll find it. I'll uh, feed it to you. Charleston. Oh, it's, it's not Charleston. It's Columbia. I'm driving two hours to see this movie. Holy shit. <laughs> two hours one way. Uh, what, is that North Carolina or South Carolina? South Carolina. It's, it's, uh, oh, it's, excuse me. It takes them like 10 minutes to figure out where Maxton's going to be seeing this fucking movie. I'm just going to fast forward past all that. Are you ready for it? I have it right here. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'll be seeing Reject False Icons at the AMC Classic Dutch Square 14 in Columbia. A stark two-hour drive from where I currently am and live. That's that's commitment. I got a two-hour drive today, too. So you and me were birds of a feather. Sick. Where are you going, Eugene? Or Portland? Portland. Great. Portland. Awesome. Head to Portland. And uh, I guess I want to take your your hype temperature. I want to hear your hype temperature on a scale. There's no wrong answers. Don't feel the need to inflate this number to try to impress the listeners. Okay. One to ten, what's your hype meter at currently for Reject False Icons? I hope that this does not put a damper on the rest of the interviews or or anything like that uh, or, or, or bad juju or bad luck. But I am at a cool two out of ten for hype on this guy. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah. What have they what have they shown us that we're that we're supposed to really get all that stoked on, right? What have they what have they shown us that we're supposed to get real stoked on? Now what I have seen and heard are middling to negative reviews from a lot of major British media outlets. Yeah, but I mean, I was always expecting more of a fan document than anything. Sure, and it's, it's I don't know, I, I've actually been texting back and forth with Trevor about it, and he, he's, he's reading some criticism of this that essentially uh, 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 chalks it up to not much more than Instagram videos on a movie screen, and... I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be left with such a such a middling, disappointed reaction. Because here are the facts. I've never seen Bananas, still to this day. Never seen it. Oh, it's very it. fun. Got, I recommend it. I recommend gotta, it. Gotta watch it. And um, so perhaps I will, my, my virgin eyes will be able to appreciate this, uh, this piece of... of weird gorilla's history no matter how segmented or um uh, i i don't know perhaps um not living up to um the thing that came before it i think i might be able to look past it but 
I am not expecting, you know, I'm not expecting to learn what's going on with Tootie and Noodle and Russell and Murdoch. I have zero hope for that. <laughs> yeah, okay, so you're you think there's not going to be any animated component here? No, and which is crazy because I like until today had my story mixed up and thought that it was Damon's kid doing the movie, but it's actually Hewlett's kid, and that makes even less sense considering how little of of uh jamie hewlett's art i hear is in this movie but i don't know this is this is why some of my best uh my best movie watching friends caution me against reading reviews before an experience but i don't know i kind of like to know what i'm getting into so i read one i read the first one that went up and then i thought ah better not i didn't read any more after that yeah maybe maybe when you got one gorilla as your daddy you secretly wish that the other one was your daddy maybe that's just how it works interesting complexes at work here who knows what's going on i can't wait to see it so i can like unpack and and talk a little more about the the psychological experience of being in in and around gorillas. Well, I'll be giving you a call on that later today. Beforehand, I do want to get a couple of predictions out of you, okay? So Let's go, yes. Do you think there will be substantial, unheard gorillas musical content? Absolutely not. Nothing. Not only do I think nothing, I think it's just, it's going to be... They're going to show us how they recorded the songs on the record. Uh, maybe we'll we'll get a nod to something that was on Super Deluxe. But I feel like I feel like this is a, a hype piece for the last two Gorillas albums and is going to uh, take every opportunity possible to remind you about the last two Gorillas albums. What? kind of a portrait of Damon Albarn do you think this film will show us? Are we going to see a, a, a kinder, a gentler, a more settled Damon Albarn? Or will his old sort of prickly rock star self still be on display here? Now, I don't want to trust reviews too much because, you know, critics. Um, but it seemed like this was touched on in something that I read about. It seems like... Uh, Denim's real exacting uh, editing trigger finger has painted a pretty lovely looking portrait of Damon here. There's not a lot of, I heard there's not a lot of studio squabbles. I heard that there's, you know, like every, every, everyone and everything is generally pretty amicable if, you know, occasionally not really bringing any insights into the project beyond the surface level. Um, but I think that. Something something tells me we're gonna get a a bit more of a of a cleaned up Damon image, and I, I have no idea how much of that will be due to personal changes he's made in his life, and how much of that will be to, due to the fact that Denim Hewlett is editing and directing this documentary. There is a there is a kind of a, a political element to that, isn't there? Big time. How hard can you go in on your dad's best mate? in the movie that you're making about him. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Right. It can't, obviously can't be an expose. So Maxton, I have one more question for you before we break off until, uh, tonight. Let's set it. Okay. Uh, Webster's dictionary defines icon <laughs> as a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. Yeah. In your in your estimation in society today, who is a false icon? Read me the definition of icon one more time while I think about that. A person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or 
as worthy of veneration. I hate my answer, Kanye West. <laughs> oh wow, wow! Because I I thought you'd be team venerate Kanye West all the way. I I I I am. I love Kanye, but you, even a Kanye fan can see the writing on the wall. It's true. It's true. All right, my man. Let's uh, let's call it there, and I will give you a call in a few scant short hours to get your your first impressions of. Uh, reject false icons. Possibly my only impressions. I hope the drive doesn't wear out your car too much. Thanks. Uh, see you at the movies. Ladies and gentlemen, Max and Stenstrom. Uh, next, Dylan called uh, our good friend Gwen, host of the best and most dormant Taylor Swift podcast, uh, State of Swift. God, it's like I'm being confronted by all the ghosts of the projects I no longer work on. Uh, let's go to the phones. What's happening, bro? Gwen, welcome to Howling You Monkeys. Uh, for those who don't know, of course, you're my friend. You're a gorilla super fan. You're also my my co-host of the wildly successful and dormant podcast, State of Swift. Almost one year uh, not doing that podcast. Cool. I know, I know. It's it's shameful. I have no one to blame but myself. But today is a day of mirth and merriment because it's Gorilla's Day. All over the planet Earth, people are going to see this documentary. I want to stop. I want to start by getting like a number value from you, one to ten. Like how currently, how hyped are you feeling in your body? Be honest. No inflating numbers. Okay, uh, I think like a seven because. My friends have seen it so far, like, for, the ones who are, like, from, like, Australia, because it's, like, out there right now, or, like, yesterday, last night, whatever. They're like, yeah, it was awesome. And then, like, one person was like, oh, I saw, like, a two-star review, and they said it wasn't very good, so, like, I'm not that hyped. So I'm, like, trying to keep, like, I, I don't want to go in, like, expecting it to be, like, the greatest thing since, like, you know, sliced bread or anything, but I also don't want to go in, like, expecting it to be, like, awful, you know what I mean? Because I don't think it's going to be awful. I mean, obviously it won't be. You get whatever. Anything really makes me like it. <laughs> Um, to, to whatever degree. The day is more fun the more hyped you get, but the more hyped you get, the easier it is to get your heart broken. Exactly, true. So I'm keeping I'm keeping a level mind here, you know. That's a good idea. Uh, Gwen, I want a prediction. What what kind of Damon Albarn do you think you're going to see tonight? Are you going to see, like, a kinder, gentler, more mature Damon Albarn, or will the old rock star ego you know, effigy Damon show his face tonight. I think, I think we're going to get like a soft Damon, like a, like a, wow, I just also from the teasers, whatever they've given us, just him going like, you know, wow, I love like working with all these amazing people, look at all this behind the scenes stuff, look how talented they are, you know, I think that's the vibes we're going to get here. Gwen Webster's dictionary defines icon as a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. Uh, in your, in your heart, in your mind, in the world today, who do you see as a, as a false icon? Probably Mickey Mouse, because he's like, he like tries to represent Disney as this like, look at us, we love like family, like this house, like fucking family friendly we are and shit. But in the background, like Disney's like a hell company to work for. They like fire people all the time. They like, they don't care about, they don't really care about like diversity or anything. They just want to appeal, you know, they just, 
I don't know, like, they're so, like, insanely money-hungry and selfish, and they just absorb every corporation after the next, like, and they're basically, yeah, they're monopolizing the fucking industry, and it's so shitty, and yet they're still like, oh, boy, the movie dies of our mouth, look how smiling he is, and everyone's like, oh, Mickey, like, no, fuck, I hate it. I hate it. I can he, go on he also, like, doesn't, he also, like, doesn't have a personality. Yeah, he doesn't do anything. He's just a mouse. Like, I get, like, I don't know, like, the other ones. Like, like I don't know. <laughs> Donald and Goofy. Yeah, yeah. Donald yeah. and Goofy. Like, they have personality. Like, Mickey is just, like, the most blank, like, boring-ass character that ever existed. Half the world worships him. Again, like, all the people, when they get just get a shirt that says, like, Mickey on it. It's like, who, what are you, like, what are you, do you really love Mickey that much? No, nobody does. Because he's boring. Honestly, one person does. Like, in the last two weeks, Ramona has gotten super into Mickey Mouse. Hi, Steve. Wow. Giving into the mouse. I think it's just because he's, he's like, easy to recognize and he's out there in the world. Yeah, that's fair. That's how they get them. So she's always, she's always, like, seeing him. And she's like, there's... There's my buddy. There's Mickey Mouse. But you know, get a few get a few years in him and and in her, and she won't she won't give a shit about Mickey Mouse. Nobody likes Mickey Mouse. All right, word. Uh, Gwen, that's that's all that I have for you. I thank you so much for your time. Let's let's talk again tonight after the film, and we'll get your your impressions. Okay. Oh yeah. Pleasure as always, Gwen. Thank you for having me, Dylan. <laughs> Anytime. All right, bye, man. Bye. Gwen Morris, everybody, makes a good point about Mickey Mouse. Maybe the children really are our future, which I've been told is coming on. Speaking of uh, coming on, next Dylan decided to ring up our good friends of the show, Ryan and Hunts, better known as the brave intrepid leaders of the Free the Sea movement, which uh, you may remember was a fan campaign uh, aiming to convince Damon to uh, release some unfinished material from the Plastic Beach sessions. I don't think anything ever came of it, but who knows? Maybe someday it will. Uh, but for now, let's go to the phones. Hey. Hello. It would not be a fan outreach episode of this podcast without a little check-in with the, with the Free the Sea movement. I have on the phone right now from roughly Chicago abouts in America, uh, Hunts and Hughes, or Hughes-da, uh, from the Free Sea Movement. Boy, hi, boys, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, you, Hughes? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty excited. Okay, that's, that's the first question you've already, you've already stepped right into it, is uh, I, want, I want a number value. I want to take your height temperature on a scale from 1 to 10, and I've been telling everybody, please don't inflate that number just to just to flex how big of a Gorillaz fan you are. I want you to, like, earnestly, honestly look inside yourself and tell me what your hype is. Uh, for me, probably a 6 or 7, maybe. I, I gotta say, I was feeling about a 6 for the last couple of days. I'm feeling like a nine now, baby. I am raring to go. The day is here. Oh fuck yeah! High score, high score, Hughes. <laughs> That's what they call me. <laughs> Why are you feeling it, man? What what changed? Um. Well, frankly, a couple of people from uh from across the pond have seen the movie, 
and have told me, not like spoilers, I don't know what we're getting into, but have told me that it is good. And they like there were a couple early reviews that kind of dampened my excitement, you know, from press outlets and whatnot. But hearing fan impressions has got me rocketing right back up. Sick, sick. Okay, boys, I want to know what kind of a Damon Albarn you expect to see tonight. Are we going to see a kinder, gentler, more mature Damon Albarn, or will we get that glimpse of the old egomaniac rock star effigy Damon in Phase 4 and 5? We are absolutely getting uh, effigy Damon, at oh, least nice. for all the tour stuff, I think. Oh, sick, sick. So you think... You think you think the rock star ego will be will be out, will jump out. He's going to whip it out on us in this movie, I think. Because I think a lot of the now now came from the humans tour, the way he was acting and feeling. And if there's going to be a lot of that in this movie, we're going to get hit in the face with it, I think. Was, was the humans tour a voluminous orgasm and the now now his post-nut clarity? Yeah. Yes, yes absolutely. And then he kind of got a second win for the now now tour and then he couldn't he couldn't finish the job and just went back to bed after. <laughs> well he is 50 he is a 50 year old man so you just can't do it like he used to you can't just go all night at a certain point you gotta hang it up you know uh hans what about you what about you do you what do you think you're gonna see in terms of like a damon albar do you have any general predictions for for the night um yeah, I'm probably hoping to see some fun uh, stuff like involving Ben Mendelsohn, but judging by the trailer, that's kind of cool. Doesn't uh, he kind of like hate the project now? You're thinking of Clementine. Yeah, Ben Clementine. Oh, Clementine hates the project. Mendelsohn, he doesn't have room in his heart for hate. Yeah. yeah, despite being like usually the bad guy in movies, right? Isn't that usually his mm -hmm. role? Yeah, but that's like that's, the people who don't that. have it are, are good at, at pretending it. Gorillas just tweeted while we were on the phone together. Oh shit. oh, shit. It just says, one man, one camera, two albums, two tours. Reject false icon tonight. One man? That's fucked up. J.B. Yeah, Hewlett's son made this documentary. One man, one camera? <laughs> I don't yeah. know, man. That's weird. Sorry, sorry. Is it any weirder than uh, Carrie Levy making bananas by himself? One man, one camera? I think one man, one camera is not about Denim Hewlett. I think that tweet is about Damon Albarn with a camera I... in his face. You think Gorilla's official Twitter gives a shit about Denim Hewlett being behind that camera? I don't. I, I think that when they're advertising the Denim Hewlett movie, that yes, they do. <laughs> All right, well, we'll see. I have to say, I uh, I agree with Ryan, and I think Dylan's stance on the matter is foolish. Are you going to wear jeans tonight so that you have denim? In, in... I'm wearing jeans right now. Very considerate. And finally, uh, boys, before we break off until after the show and get your kind of first impressions and everything, I wanted to leave you with this thought and ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Webster's Dictionary defines icon as a person or thing regarded as a representative symbol or as worthy of veneration. Now, in your estimation, who or what in the world today is a false icon? I think Damon Albarn is a false icon. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Shots <laughs> fired. You, you might hate me for this one. Um, maybe Kanye? That's a false icon? 
Kanye's been a false icon. Yeah, forever. <laughs> not not even the first person today to say Kanye West when I asked that question. It's the first Hans. thing that came to my mind, which is why I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, boys, it was great to check up as usual. Just to just to get a quick update, uh, has Seasides been released yet? Um, I'm checking. Hold on. No, it'll no, be out soon. <laughs> okay, all right. Thank We're hoping anniversary is coming up, baby. They won't let it pass by. I have faith. Maybe as soon and as if the... it doesn't happen, Damon Albarn is a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to ask you, boys. Where what where are you seeing the film tonight, and what time? 7.30, uh, it's about 20 minutes from my place, so it's, uh, it's in Melrose Park in Illinois. Sick, sick. I can't wait to chat with you guys uh, afterwards and get your get your thoughts and your feelings. Hell yeah, I'll bring a little notebook and write down some thoughts. Oh, I love it, I love it. Okay, I'll talk to you guys uh, sooner than later. Have a, have a fun, gorillas-filled night. You too, you love too. you, baby. See ya. Free the sea. Uh, see you at the movies. Free the sea, folks. Can we free the? Can we? Can we free the sea? Can we free the sea already? Anyway, uh, that was our last pre-show call. After that, we all sat down, we watched, reject false icons, and uh, after that, we got back on the phone with each other. Um, I think the first person Dylan called was Maxton. So let's get those. Uh, let's get those spicy Stenstrom takes. And go to the phones. Welcome to the show, the third howl of you monkey, uh, fresh, fresh from his 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 exclusive Carolinian screening of, of Reject False Icons, Maxton Stenstrom. I have emerged. I have emerged. Welcome back, Maxton. Before, Thank you for welcoming me back. Before we even touch on the quality of this film and your feelings and whatnot, I want to get... If there were any, was there any good Gorillas fan people watching at your screening? Were there any, did you see any band t-shirts? Did you see any cosplay? Did you see any people like wilding the fuck out? Did somebody yell, I love you doodle. What happened at your screening? Pretty tame. People were, were very decked out in Gorillas swag, which is, you know, as, as our, our, uh, our Lord and Savior and, and, uh, merch purveyor Jamie Hewlett would have it. Uh, just gorillas T-shirts and merch and 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 CDs and vinyl everywhere. And we're gonna have to pause this right now because someone is pulling in to give me money to park. Okay, I'll just wait. But aren't you glad we don't have to? All right, let's continue. So lots of gorilla swag. Gorilla swag everywhere. Uh, people brought albums for no discernible reason, I suppose. There were lots of actually. Here's how tame it was. People, I think most people I saw had blankets. There were there were lots of kids. I was in a row with some kids. It was pretty like pretty young audience. Pretty. Um, Pretty mixed gender. Um, there were, you know, lots of lots of kids, um, and um, which is interesting because it's not. I, I, I feel like would you say this movie is more or less kid friendly than Bananas? Um, more kid friendly than Bananas, I would say. Okay, you, you, you think so? Okay. I mean, we see we almost see Shea Adelaide's dick at one point, but then we don't. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. We do see okay, Murdoch. We see Murdoch's dick from the 
uh, shot from the book of Murdoch where he's peeing into the ocean. And then we see that really crazy dick from that doodle that Damon did with all of the, all of the band contributing. Uh, That's right. Those are the dicks. Big monster dick. Those are the dicks. Uh, But I mean, as, as I recall, as I recall, the swearing was largely bleeped in the film. Uh, I, I actually, now this was a weird thing about the movie I wanted to talk about. They actually, I, I was paying attention to this. They only bleeped one instance of a swear word, and I couldn't tell what swear word it was because they kind of bleeped the context too, which right, made me think it was like maybe not even a swear word and like someone that shouldn't have been named or something like that. Maybe somebody said Obama, and then and then David said, "I want this to be evergreen. You know, I want this to be future proof." Let's remove let's remove that Obama reference. That would make sense. Okay, before we before we really get into this, I I, I want your four word review of reject false icons not enough jamie hewlett (laughs) 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 we're locking it in that's it that's 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 gold gold. that's That's, That's that's podcast gold um okay okay so so you uh you we are, are in our pre-chat you were expressing some of your concerns some of your predictions did what you did going in with maybe a, a more measured i don't know about this do you think that, that that helped you to have a better or worse experience or did it not have any effect at all did, was the movie just what the movie was i think uh it, it pretty much was what it was but the reviews for me were sort of oh a way for me to not get overhyped about this and eventually super disappointed. So I kind of, personally, I feel my expectations were tempered in a positive way. (laughs) Right, right, right. There's a lot of tour. There's a lot of, of, montages of live performances there's a lot of circles and hugs oh my gosh there are so many circles and hugs that i couldn't believe it and you know well yeah you'll hear the episode there's been other talk of those circles and hugs everybody seems to have a slightly different feeling about them i'm a little sick of the circles and hugs after watching that movie. i thought it was too many circles and hugs too i didn't understand i didn't understand what we were gaining by seeing as much of that as we don't need i would like to know uh, on the positive side of things, though, what your favorite musical moment in the film was? Probably every time they dropped a super deluxe track. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, oh, fuck, think, Phoenix on yeah. the hill. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was like, didn't we get to, 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 like, see how that one, like, got made for a second? Like, isn't that, that like... That was amazing, yes, yeah, Sadiqi Diabate. Yes, and, like, first of all, that was super dope. Second of all, who like denim really came in at the end of the end of the recording sessions i feel like you like got like all of the just like extra shit like the movie starts with the recording of halfway to the halfway house a song i forgot existed well that's there it is a thing it, it is and it like and then like there were like five uh, super deluxe needle drops which is like five more super deluxe needle drops than i was personally expecting you know i hadn't thought about this max and i think you might be onto something because you know we get we get the humans choir which we know from talking to melanie charles was like what three or four days of studio time 
uh, probably towards the end when things were getting shaped. We get Ben Mendelsohn, which you have to imagine would have been later in the process after after they had an idea of what kind of shape the album was taking. One of the only like let's let's see this track kind of get built. Well, we see a lot of busted in blue, and we see a good amount of strobe light. So yeah, I wonder. I wonder when when Denim's camera came into the. That's a good point. I didn't think about that, but I love that you singled out that Sadiki Diabate Phoenix on the Hill moment because I really do think it's it's a it's a cool one, especially when he starts jamming with the synths, and you can see him getting kind of into it. Very cool. It's dope. I wonder what those kids in the audience thought about the making of these super deluxe tracks that I'm sure they've never heard or heard of. <laughs> well, like it's a fan document, man. That I that that you've you've hit on something that I was thinking all throughout, which is like I know what's going on here. I wonder how lost everybody is right now. Yeah. See, I, I wanted to talk about this with you. I talked about it with Trevor immediately after seeing the movie. Uh, I I want to call this the movie adaptation of Howling Monkeys, but I think that that would be a disservice to how in depth and detailed and and just really well thought out Howling Monkeys is versus this. I don't know if I can go. With you don't know think so? I don't know if I can go with you but on like, that. You, no, because I think Denim is coming from a specific school of documentary filmmaking. Okay, here. yes. I think I think that the that the collage, the contextless flowing thing is intentional. I do think it obviously it makes the film impenetrable if you don't kind of like come in with all of your own context. And I was I while I was watching I was thinking like would, do I improve if I add a guy with the BBC one announcer voice, <laughs> David this, Attenborough, yeah, to this to this movie going like, and now the tour has reached you know whatever Zurich and Damon is hard at work on a new song for the now now and also this person is joining the tour like do I have I actually improved the movie and you know what I think what I think I I do is I make the movie more digestible and certainly more accessible but I think I I think I kill its vibe a little bit when I do that probably yeah yeah there's 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 some there's some vibe things going on with its sort of narrative list haze and but here's the thing the main thing I'm trying to get at with that statement is that I I feel like if I hadn't watched Howling Monkeys before going to see this movie, I don't. I think it might have been like one star for me. Like, I, I like if I had like been someone who only like like stopped listening after Plastic Beach and tried Humans and didn't know any of this context and like maybe listen to the Now Now once. Like all that Now Now stuff was great and I loved seeing that. But like the bulk of it is like Humans super tail end stuff, and it's only with the love of this podcast that I was able to deeply, deeply appreciate some of the things going on. It was like your secret Dakota Rick. Sort of, yeah. Do you remember when we were when we were at Disneyland together, Maxton, and we were walking <laughs> through the line, the queue area of uh, of the Indiana Jones ride, and I was pointing out to you all of the hieroglyphs on the walls and things, and I was explaining to you that like when the ride first opened. Disney had issued through cereal boxes uh, like a secret decoder that would let you read all of those hieroglyphs, right? Yes, you did tell me this. Yes, I remember this. It's the same thing. 
this movie is those hieroglyphs. The podcast is your secret decoder ring. Our podcast and this documentary are in conversation with one another, in my opinion. When it does happen, the eventual Hallelujah Monkeys Gorillas documentary will be better than this. I don't know. I, I don't think it'll look better. I think this movie's beautiful looking. I think it it's shot gorgeously. Nice. It looked very nice. I loved the, the the mixing of the live versions and the studio versions and the live visuals with the with the film thing. Like that's like you know neat. Next question that we got it. We have to get to this one because I'm getting everybody. Everybody gives me an answer to this question. I need one from you. I need to know what you, in your opinion, the the best non musical moment in the film is. Let me. Let me let me get the gears rolling by starting uh, with what absolutely did happen, which is uh, the audience sort of. There were like five people that gasped when uh, Pevin Everett mouth kissed Damon Alburn. There were like like so many people were shocked and seemingly scandalized, or like in, in the Carolinas, that's a big moment. Yeah. That's a big moment. Oh 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 yeah. There they were. They're like, <gasps> what? How? And and uh, that was I I thought the reaction from everyone there all, all everyone in their gorillas blankets and and and, and Murdoch t shirts I thought that that was very funny. That's very um, cute. Uh, do, do you think that there were any people in your house who were at that Bananas Gorillas tribute show that we went to? Well, there was one person I talked to who um, drove up from Charleston as well. Also, I'm not going to rule it out. It could happen. But it, it could happen. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. All right, so then that was the audience. What about your what about you? I love seeing how pretty much everything from the now now got made. Seeing George Benson in the studio, I loved seeing um Oh yeah, I loved seeing um the way it intersected with our live episode at Demon Days Fest. And I really feel like that 2D cosplayer that they got to appear on, on screen for about a split second was that guy that we were hanging out with for both live episodes. Can we I, confirm I thought, or deny that? I thought maybe so, too, and I meant to ask uh, <clears throat> Ryan Hughes, but I didn't. I'm not Please sure. ask Ryan Hughes. Is that Zedzilla or whatever his name was? I don't know. I, 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 I saw him and was like, oh, shit, Hallelujah Monkey's vindicated. And, you know... I think that that might be my favorite moment of the film, to be honest with you. I, like, that's when, it, that's when, in my mind, seeing that, I was like, this is the fucking Hallelujah Monkeys movie. If I didn't have this experience with this podcast, I would not have been able to get the, the, the dopamine rush I just got from seeing that 2D cosplayer. Even if it's not really him. It was also, it was also like, it was, it was, it was a necessary box to check to make sure that we did get somebody dressed up as one of the characters in the film, you know? Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, they, they checked it and it was worth it. Okay, okay, this is, this is a crucial one for you, okay. Maxton, because, oh boy. as you heard, on later this year, we're going to be getting some big, crazy kind of, uh, uh, director's cut of this movie. Here's what I want to know from you. You you have some ideas of all the kinds of moments and things and events that could be sitting on Denim Hewlett's hard drive. What what one thing that wasn't in Reject False Icons would you love to see make it into that director's cut? Listen, Denim, 
You know, you know, you, you know how they included the bit where uh, Damon Auburn recorded the spoken word interlude for uh, for like Zurich. Yeah, he's got the vocals too. Release the vocals, Denim. Release the vocal cut. I want to see it. I know you have it. Release the vocals, Denim. Make this hit song I dream of every night a reality. I, I'm really glad that this episode is can be categorized into episodes featuring Maxton's uh, conspiracy theory <laughs> that somewhere out there there are there's a hook and a chorus for Lake Zurich. It fucking exists! I swear to God, I swear to God, it exists. Uh, okay, well, this is now we're just in a we're just in sort of an elliptical. You know, it's a, you know, in the back of a fucking recipe book, how there are all these blank pages with lines on them, and you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, that's that's what this what is." Kind of psychopath is is <laughs> is writing their own recipes in the back of this recipe book. Well, that's the part of the conversation we've reached. I don't have any prompts for you. I don't have any guidance or direction. But if there's anything you'd like to get off your chest about reject false icons or really anything, this is your space to do that. This is something I was trying to communicate on the phone with Trevor, but I don't think I really got it across in a clear way, but I've still been kind of just, like, thinking about it, you know what I mean? Like, how this documentary, in my head, only exists because, you know, Jamie Hewlett's son is like, I want to, like, do this thing, but, you know, maybe he's a little late, and, you know, maybe maybe someone else was gonna do it, and, they, and then they dropped out, and they're like, yeah, we'll just get my kid to do it. You know, like, like there's something about the familial aspect the nepotism aspect of this movie that makes me think that they couldn't have gotten anyone else to do it right now. Like, I feel like everyone who's involved with gorillas is involved with gorillas, not because it's like, I don't know, maybe the most profitable or successful thing in the world, but it's like, it's this, it's this passion project for everyone involved. You know what I mean? Like I, I, my, my other conspiracy theory is that, you know, Jamie Hewlett probably wasn't in this movie much because he was off trying to get this TV show made or something like that. Right, right. I think you're hitting on something, I think you're hitting on something that I feel similarly about, which is that this documentary feels like it takes a, a very Damon Albarn approach where it does kind of feel like when principal photography on this thing started, maybe nobody was even thinking that there was a documentary yet. I, th I think that, that, it, that this documentary, I would not be shocked to learn that it had a very kind of Damon Albarney moving on instinct uh, genesis and creation of like, yeah, sure, Denim's going to be our live videographer because like, I mean, clearly the dude has had some fucking training because he frames shots like gorgeously and epically and it's some of the yeah. most like richly photographed live concert footage I've seen in, in ages. He has an incredible eye, like an incredible eye. Uh, so, so like it makes utter sense to me that he, that he was like, cool, I'm going to be the videographer for the tour. Oh sure. I'll, I'll swing by and get some of the behind the scenes, uh, album footage. It would not shock me if it was like several months into that process where they were like, Oh, maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be a documentary that, that said though, like, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right that like, the project itself is often run on instinct, run on passion, uh, not on, like, a crazy 10-year plan, you know? And sometimes, like, sometimes, like, it, it, it seems like it is at times 
remarkably hard for gorillas to get investors, which is why, you know, it, 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 as weird as it is to see them doing like a, you know, like a Formula One advertisement or whatever the hell it is that they did for humans that was really weird. They got Noodle to be a brand ambassador for like some racing thing. I, 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 I vaguely remember it, but like, it, sometimes it feels like gorillas is like, like, I don't know, like, wasn't Terry Gilliam involved with this project at some point? Like The fa- the abandoned Phase 2 movie. The, 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 he, did, he was going to do the Phase 2 movie, okay. So, like, I don't know, like, it, it just wouldn't surprise me if they were, like, someone said they were going to give us this money, and then we got to talk to this director, and we got this director on board, and then, you know, it had this, this big, grand idea in our heads, and then it's just, like, all starts to kind of fall apart behind the scenes, and then, you know, like, things change so much and morph so much that it turns into just, you know, like, a documentary that ends up being directed by Denim, because he ends up just taking the reins on it and taking the lead, because, like, you know, like, that, like, because Gorillas is fueled by people who are passionate about seeing Gorillas continue to thrive, and maybe not, you know, the money. Yeah, I, I think that, that uh, the, the partnership, you know, you've got you've got Damon as as the music. You got Jamie as the art. I don't think that there is like a a, a what is it like a left brain business, uh, you know, organizational voice in that partnership. And because and because of that, it, it, to, in a way, I think the story of gorillas is always going to be a little bit like that. You know that that image meme of like the surface web and then the deep web, where it's like a little tiny iceberg tip at the top, and then this giant iceberg that like plunges down into the ocean. Uh, the story of gorillas is always going to be a little bit like that, where like we see whatever makes it to the surface, and then underneath it, there are all these like wars and 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 you know epic sagas that we'll never know about. Which is why these documentaries, even when maybe they're a little bit chaotic or a little hard to parse, are so precious, so precious, Maxon, because they give us a glimpse at that at that bulbous iceberg booty that we that we <laughs> that we you know we want to get down lower than Atlantis and and appreciate Maxton. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I love you so much Maxton and you know oh. you'll always be the third uh, Hallelujah monkey in our hearts. Oh. Um, oh man, I love you guys. We're so glad this podcast is doing stuff. And I hope that I hope that even I hope that even with your your measured uh, uh, response to the film, I hope that you'll watch the the director's cut when it lo- when it drops because we'd love to talk to you again and get your feelings about it. Yeah, I will at least scrub the YouTube video. I'm I, I'm sure some resourceful YouTuber out there is going to leave a big long YouTube comment of all the stuff that was exclusive to the director's oh, cut. Oh, time so. codes, time codes. Yes, time codes, yeah. hacking. Of course. Well, I think it, I think it'll be fun to kind of break it up into installments too. You know, like to to, to enjoy it part by part or whatever or however that works. Okay, well, we'll definitely reconvene when that happens, Max. And until then, I hope that you help people find safe, affordable parking. I hope I that will. You, I hope that you enjoy your your free lunch, remembering, of course, that there is no such thing. Um, <laughs> And I hope that you find somebody who wants to kiss you full on the mouth 
the way that that Damon and I can't remember if it was if it was Pevin Everett or or Shea. I can't remember. It was Pevin. Okay, sure. Maybe it was Pe- maybe it was Pevin. Just find somebody who looks at you the way that whoever did that to Damon looks at him. All right, buddy. I love you, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you too, Dylan. See you later. Hail gorillas. Bye bye. Well, look at that. It sounds like Dylan and Maxton ended up enjoying the movie a little more than they may have been expecting to. I wonder what our other friends thought of the movie, though. I guess the only way to find out is to go to the phones. What's good, man? Hey, Gwen. Welcome back. It's been a little longer than I intended it to be. It's all good. (laughs) <laughs> but I, you know, I've, whatever, I've got mm-hmm. a kid. What am I, a fucking full-time podcaster? No. <laughs> first things first, before we say one goddamn word about this movie, Gwen, I want to know if you had any good Gorillas fan people-watching experience that you're showing. Were there Was there any cosplay? Were there any band shirts? Were there any people wilding the fuck out? What, what who were, who came to your screening? And where was your screening? I asked everybody else, but I forgot to ask you. Mine was, like, somewhere in, like, San Rafael or something. I don't remember. But there was, like, my theater was actually pretty packed, actually. But there was no, like, there didn't appear to be any, like, super fans or anything. They were all just kind of, like, people, normal people. Right. But um, I feel like I was the most excited person there. And I felt, like, kind of, like, self-conscious the whole time because I was, like, dancing in my seat. Like, not obnoxiously, obviously, to a reasonable degree, but I was, like... I was like, oh man, like I'm probably like I'm probably making such a fool of myself right now. There but was I a didn't t- care. there was a well, tiny there was a tiny little lady sitting to my left of the theater, Gwen, who was mm-hmm. like really excitedly headbanging to all the songs that she liked. Uh-huh. And she only <laughs> she only enhanced my experience. So I'm sure that if anything you just brought more <laughs> more joy to the people around you. Well I hope so, yeah. Yeah, I wore my gorilla shirt, you know, of course to be that person i wore my i wore my geep shirt um i cried like five times oh my god okay well do you remember when and why yeah actually okay so i cried at the beginning when it was like doing the like all the music videos and stuff it's just i was like oh god gorillas you know what i mean cried at a montage that was like the that was like the that was like the first five minutes of up it was like a montage that makes you cry <laughs> yeah yeah and it's just like on a big screen i was like ah you know but yeah so and then i cried at the part where it was just she's my collar and just cali you like dancing on the screen so i was like that song is so good and i just like got emotional it was and really then, funny to hear her doing that vocal take without any backing track because she was like She's just she gets she gets her nasal passages going when she sings. It's so crazy. All right, anyway, I oh, I love her. So, I saw her at Outside Lands too on the same day. I saw Girls. It's so good. That's dope. Anyways, um, I, I cried another. I cried at the um Bobby Womack part. I cried at the Latin Simone part. Uh, I cried at the Hong Kong part. Before he sneezed, you didn't cry because he sneezed. <laughs> Not because of the sneeze, no. But before the sneeze, yeah. I almost, I almost teared up when he and Jamie hugged when they disagreed about one percent. I thought it was great. Oh, cool. that was so cute! I love that part. That was adorable. Okay, honestly, I was so pumped that like I didn't expect Damon to be so spunky. Like, you know, like I, I was kind of like, oh hell yeah, look at him go, you know? Oh, he's a, he's he's the cartoon oh, yeah. character. The cartoon. There's not a lot of cartoon characters in the movie, but Damon Albarn is the cartoon character. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I wish that there was more like cartoon stuff. Yeah. Okay, I want I want to take you through. I got some questions for I'm, I'm going to ask everybody. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. 
I want to, can you, can you just give me just off the top of the dome, a four word mm -hmm. review? Okay. Um, I didn't come up with this idea. This is what Ryan Hughes asked me when I came out of the movie and I'm stealing <laughs> the idea from him. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, live. Um, gay mini. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, music-y. Oh, music-y, yeah. Gorilla-y. We're not even quite gorilla-y. It was more like, felt more like a tour documentary, which is like, yeah. Hold on. I'm trying to think about a fourth word here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, disjointed, maybe. Disjointed. Or aimless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of chaotic, right? Very chaotic. Yeah, aimless, maybe. Did you feel at all frustrated with the way it was put together or the way that, that the footage was balanced or what... The, how much of there was of some things and of others? Does any of that stuff bother you, or you were just like, fuck yeah, on board? <laughs> well, the whole time I was kind of like that in general, because it's like I'm seeing like a gorilla's thing on the big screen. There's no way I could possibly not have a good time. Yeah. But I do wish we saw more Jamie stuff, like more animation, more behind-the-scenes stuff of that kind of side of it, because yeah, I did get the feeling kind of like, it felt kind of like the whole Plastic Beach Tour thing where like, Damon was wanting to push the music forward more, and Jamie was like, oh, you know, you know what I mean? We're sort of like, it, it, the balance didn't feel there of, like, the the characters and the music. It felt very, 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 very music. And then here's our logos. That's what it kind of felt like. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what Phase 4 felt like, too. And, I mean, if you connect the dots of what we know, right, for all we know, like, Jamie was off working on a TV show that we never get to see or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. So that stuff's not in the movie. I don't know. But it did kind of bum me out when he was doing that sketch that he was just like, yeah, I know it's real interesting to watch me do this. Just like, don't nag yourself, yeah, like, buddy. You're a genius. On, You're a genius. Everybody wants, wants to watch you do this. Yeah. For sure. like, like, literally, like, like his art books that I got, like, I, I've read that so many times. Like, I've, I'm, I'm, like, I feel like they don't think that part is interesting. Like, people don't care as much about the characters, which is, like, not true at all. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's here's a couple for you, uh, quick and hot off the mm -hmm. griddle. Uh, All right. You already mentioned Caliuchus and she's my caller. Would that uh -huh. be would that be your like number one favorite musical moment, or what what is your number one favorite musical mo moment of the documentary? Oh, I really liked when Damon was singing "Crowd of Unknowing." That like hit differently. I was like, damn, you he know, like I loved so sort of good. That, he sounded so yeah, no, good. He was so pretty like because we have that one sort of like version of cloud of unknowing that he sang one time for like i don't know like a radio or something it like doesn't that sound nearly but it's, it doesn't have the same production of it doesn't have the same ambiance and his voice so didn't I really have like, the same gravity i don't feel like yeah yeah so i like i really liked that and i want to like yeah I, that was really great that was and gorgeous. Then, um, what a great poll great pick yeah yeah and then what and about, i really liked when oh yeah go for it go for it go for it yeah, oh i'm just talking i'm like i just i really liked when they played the like the last 30 seconds of saturn's bars that got me so lit, dude. I was like, I think that's like the fifth time I cried. <laughs> that's a hype song. That's a real hype song that people really overlook, I think. Uh, what about what about uh, non-musical moments? Did you have a favorite, like, behind-the-scenes-y, you know, backstage or in the studio, like, not live on uh, or playing instruments moment mm -hmm. in, the, in the film? Yeah, I, I really liked, oh, I really liked when they, um, when they, like, finally cracked um, uh, strobe light and, like, made it perfect, and then that one guy was, like, screaming and running around. That was great. And that then, was pretty cool. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and then I liked when um, when Jamie like walked outside and like one person noticed it was him, and then like everyone like ran oh, towards him. Fuck that! That. Was so what a, that was so good. That was so good. That was and good so moment. and even cuter to think about that, like it's his son who's filming that moment. Yeah, you know? yeah. Filming yeah. his dad being yeah. this rock star in Asia, like. Oh, both of your moments are home runs, Glenn. Excellent choice. I know, I know. Uh, Okay, so I guess I'm trying to think what else we what I wanted to ask you before I I got so Mm -hmm. many people to talk to. I guess I guess the only the only other question I have for you is uh, is when this comes when the when the director's cut that we're supposed to be getting. Mm You know the hundred and whatever minute cut. Yeah, two hundred minute. Yeah. Yeah, whatever that is. When that mm-hmm. comes, what's something you didn't get here that you know is mm-hmm. probably in in that footage that you would just hope and pray and wish that you could get? I really hope they give us some more footage of outside lands because, like, maybe I'm biased, but like, I did go to that and I was front row, so I hope that <laughs> you heard it maybe first. you could catch a glimpse of me Glenn, there. Gwen hopes that she sees herself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very good. Very good, Gwen. Mm-hmm. Never change. Thank you. Thank you. You you wild summer child. Uh, okay, that's all. <laughs> that's all I got. Uh, all right. Cool. You're the best. Do you want to tell anybody, uh, all the people listening, something they should stream on your behalf? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Everyone stream Lover by Taylor Swift. Thank you. (laughs) And go see Cats. Should they go see Cats? Yeah, for sure. Go see Cats. Out this Friday. Tickets on sale. Meow. (laughs) Get off my phone. I can't. That won't (laughs) All right, man. All right, man. We'll talk to you again soon, Glenn. Oh, yeah. Later. Bye. That's Gwen. Um, so unfortunately, <clears throat> what does it say? Unfortunately, Reject False Icons didn't include any previously unheard, unused Phase 3 material. Would that have a significant impact on the way our friends Brian and Hunts of the Free the Sea movement would receive it? The only way to find out is to go to the phones. Hello, hello. Free the Sea, welcome back to Hallelujah Monkeys. Uh, we've all seen this Gorillaz documentary now. Yeah, it was pretty ho- all right and decent, I guess. <laughs> I liked it a lot. You know, I liked it too, but before we even talk about quantity and quality and make measurements like that, uh, first I want to know if there was any good Gorillaz fan people watching to be done at your screening. Did you see any cosplay did you see any band t-shirts were there any people hyping the fuck out what was the what was the crowd like uh, um uh, hunts here was wearing a gorillas band t-shirt i was too busy taking notes to actually look at the crowd at all <laughs> i could say that uh, the two there's two types of people who watch this movie there are the people who really liked it which were the four girls next to me or the one dude next to me who was just sit, who sat there dead throughout the whole film, looking sure, pretty disappointed. Sure. <laughs> so uh, only... Do you find yourself on either of those extremes, or somewhere in between, Hans? Um, leaning towards the girls who are more excited. I think maybe. I think that's that's my take on it. Like, it exceeded my expectations in some areas, which is kind love of surprising. It, love it. I'm going to start with the first question that I'm asking everybody. A question that I stole. 
shamelessly from from Ryan Hughes a question that is, what is your four-word review of this film? A, a, a smorgasbord of delight. A smorgasbord I of thought delight. it was a, a veritable feast. They um, were in. They were in Switzerland. They weren't. They were in Zurich. They didn't go to Sweden. So unfortunately, there weren't any literal smorgasbords. Unfortunately, I, I thought there were some smorgs in there. Maybe there were. <laughs> Maybe a board or two. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was definitely a board. Hunts just off the dome. Give me four words that that capture in photograph your emotions about this film. Um, a very interesting. Oh, that's five words. Shoot. Interesting fan document. Oh, that's three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good collage. Oh, well, okay. Well, (laughs) shoot. I'm sorry. I'm not good with four words. I could think of five and three words. That's it. All right. How 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 about fun time with friend? Yes, fun time with friend. That's way. That's sweet. That's kind of what Gorillas is. It's fun time with friend. Yeah. Uh, okay, boys. <laughs> first, first real, first real question I have for you here is: Did you have a favorite musical moment in the film? Oh. I did. I can go right off with it. I, I had two. Can I plan this two, or is that cheating? You give me two, and then them. at the end, I'm going to force you to choose one. But you give oh, me both, shit. and then and then you're going to be forced to throw one off the cliff and keep one as your only son. All right, I'll, I'll give you the one now, um, so we can save that, that sadness. Um, it was the, the demo, or at least the earlier version, of Phoenix on the Hill. With Siddiqui Diabate. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Damon Albarn is his king. <laughs> he Damon had to Albarn do it. Damon Albarn is my king. If he didn't, if he hadn't have played that that instrument as well, Damon theoretically could have had him executed as his king. We don't know how that works. I wonder how many people have died as a result of Gorilla's album recording sessions. That was bad. That was fucking mad watching him uh, play that instrument, though. That was crazy. Yeah, he was playing the instrument, and I was like, oh, cool, is this, like, a little thing that got cut, and then it, like, smash cuts into this crazy, like, synth jam. <laughs> I'm like, what? And he looked really excited about bringing those sounds together, too. You could tell he was, like, pretty stoked on it, you know? Oh, yeah. And then he got a little... He We got to hear some of his vocals without the auto-tune, and I thought they sounded even better. I don't know. That's just me. That's just me, Phoenix on I, the Hill. I was too busy writing a note about how sick it was to... And that's something that is going to... You'll, you'll notice as you talk to me, is that I got a little bit of everything, but I didn't swim in any particular moment well, because it I moves was very, busy it moves, swimming. You know, it moves at a clip. It moves at it's a clip. It's fucking fast, dude. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's bananas was 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 you know collagey, but this was very collagey. Yeah. Uh, speaking of collagey, kolaches are a baked good served in the Houston area, which are like a meat stuffed pastry. Pastry, and this was a, a music stuffed documentary. What yeah, was nice. your favorite musical moment in the film, Hans? Um. This is probably like not like something that was from the studio, but I really like that uh, Cloud of Unknowing 
segment in the film. Not I the felt first that was, person to have mentioned that as their moment tonight. I, I felt that was a really great tribute to Bobby Womack, and that one scene where you see Damon looking at the screen, tearing up a little, was pretty touching. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding, and his voice was just so good, so good. Um, okay, boys, well, you should see this one coming a mile away, but did you have a favorite non-musical moment in the film? Oh, oh. What uh, non-musical moments in the film? Oh, Hugh, Hugh, can I go first? Yes, please, go ahead. So, I remember, like, when we were doing the pre-thing, I was, like, hoping to see Ben Mendelsohn, Mendelsohn, oh, shoot, Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> yep. Yep. And holy crap, not only, like, they needed my expectations, they, like, went way over the bar than I expected. <laughs> Denim like, delivered on the Ben yeah. Mendelsohn front. Like, it's just scattered across the film, and it was amazing, like, listen to all the cut-off interludes. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 I got so much more than I was expecting, and I loved every second I got, you know? I, I, I took a note of one of those, uh, of one of those... <laughs> Of one of those Ben Mendelsohn interviews, or the the interlude that got cut, because there's a lot of them. I took one down because I loved it. It was Ben like, you think you know something about party? You think you know a party? He sounds like evil Andrew WK. The one that made me giggle yeah. was the was the man and woman man. The man, and man. is nice to the woman. The, the woman, woman is nice to the man. man. <laughs> that was making me fucking giggle. That was so uh, funny. a lot of uh, good ones. What about you? What about you, Ryan? Favorite non-musical moment of the film? I made that joke earlier about there being no uh, no non-musical moments, and I take that back because there's a lot of them. Oh, there are plenty um, of them. But I think my favorite might be when the band is in the dressing room, and they're all drawing, like, mechs or something on a robot like their own personal like little robot design <laughs> yeah, oh, David, yeah. <laughs> David flips his over and it's like a goblin in fishnets and high heels with a long snake like cock jacking off I think that they were, what, weren't they doing that game where you fold a little bit of the image and you only get to see a little bit of it and you have to draw the next bit and then you fold oh, a little oh, that, bit that might be what it was bit. I think they were playing that game maybe but that way, was so good very funny I totally forgot about that moment until you brought it up, Ryan. Um, okay, so we know that we are getting this crazy director's cut uh, disseminating onto streaming or whatever in the future. Um, what is something that you suspect Denim Hewlett has footage of that you, if you could have one wish from a magic genie, you would make sure gets into that extended cut? Mm-hmm. Colombians, uh, the Colombians before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see them like mess around yeah. with that. <laughs> you know what? You can almost make that moment, Hunts, if you just take any footage of this movie of David like giggling and noodling on a keyboard, and then just put Colombians underneath it. You can yeah. almost, you can almost manufacture that moment if you had to. I want to see um, there. I want to see what Vic Mensa was doing in the studio. All right, because someone I can't verify this, but I've seen a couple people say that you can see him in the footage in this movie while they're doing. While you hear the like alternate cut of moments playing, yeah. So maybe he was on the original moments, and we just didn't get to hear what he did. I would love to hear what he was getting up to. 
Can, one you, can, you, can one of you guys school me on who the fuck Smiles is and that why he's always there? That was my biggest question for you, Dylan, because I have never heard of that man before. Like, I saw him. And oh, go on. Going on, the, on, like, you know, on Guerrilla's Unofficial after to see what people were feeling about the movie, everybody else had the same question. Who the fuck is Smiles? I look well, him up, I, you can't... You can't look up a man named Smiles on the internet. You can't do it. I don't know I have who a, this I man have is. A, I have a guess. I have like two or three guesses about what who Smiles might be. I think he might be their tour concierge. Uh, I think he. there's a chance that he is a bus driver. Uh, I also think that he might be working for the American uh, offices of Eleven as like a tour director or manager. Um, but I have a feeling that he is tour personnel. That is my guess. I think that's a good guess. I think you see him in the studio at one point. Yeah, I feel on. like he might you be see a him friend all of over one that. of the collabs. Maybe, you see him possibly. all over that movie. Yeah. There is so much smiles in that movie. If I ever get Denim Hewlett on, I'll have to... I'll have to... Smiles is, I think, the funniest person in this movie, too. He says a lot, and a lot of it's really funny. He's a yeah. rainbow of joy, isn't he? He's wonderful. I wonder how he got his nickname. No, I don't, because he's hey. he's a living smile. And it's, uh, <laughs> I think Smiles the, is the, the person. There's like a scene, like toward the end of the humans tour, where Damon's like on the couch, like he's like, Ugh, and like he's like rubbing his eyes, and it says on the bottom, like only two shows left of the humans tour. And then as soon as you get a chance to read it, Smiles walks into frame, looks at Damon, and goes, two days left, fucker." <laughs> 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 what a what an angel! What an angel! Uh, speaking of angels, a little little bit sad that we didn't get to see Arthur in this documentary. Yeah, I yeah. was really hoping we would. The fact you know, that I didn't we, expect the, it. I didn't expect it, but I thought it'd be cool if we had. That's I would have thought we saw like Arthur Bell and even a little bit more Noel Gallagher in this documentary. Right, but. right. Yeah, that was a pretty cool moment, though. The I I was I was oddly uh, I I really enjoyed seeing all of the. All of the different variations of We Got the Power kind of yeah, that was into really one cool. like that. Pretty cool. Um, okay, boys, that's all of my my big questions. I want to give you the platform here to just share any general thoughts, feelings, observations, if you have any, before we, before we mosey on to our holiday plans and whatnot. Uh, anything you boys dying to get off your chest about Reject False Icons? Uh, I, have a, I have a lot I'm dying to get off my chest. I have over a hundred notes here, but I, I will keep it brief. Okay, okay, I okay. Guess. Give me, give me, just, give me the, yeah, just give me the, you know, give me the headlines. I, I just want to <laughs> say, I guess, that um, I think Denon Hewlett deserves a round of applause for what he pulled off with this movie. I think uh, I was surprised how in touch he was with what the fans wanted to see and what the fans enjoy. Because uh, I had no idea going in what Denim Hewlett thought Gorillaz fans wanted to see. And right at the start of the movie, it just sort of goes through the um, the history of, um, you know, what the prior Gorillaz music and, vi- and videos um, before Humans of the Now Now. And for the fall, it just shows the false cover on screen with nothing else. And you can hear Seattle Yodel in the background. <laughs> and right away, I was like, oh, this motherfucker knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knows what he's <laughs> this doing. This guy knows what's up. One of us, one of us. And I wanted to, uh, lastly, reply to what you asked me on the pre-show, uh, whether we, who their false icon would be. 
And I speculated that it might be Damon Albarn because I didn't know if he was going to be able to be a good boy in this documentary. Oh, but right. I mostly he was. Um, so I'd like to refine my answer. Uh, the new false icon of gorillas is James Ford. Oh, oh, well, 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 well. I have a bone to pick with James Ford. <laughs> oh, shit. Please, please, let's hear it. I think that he made the Now Now a significantly worse album than it was trending to be when he got on board. He sterilized it to a surprising degree. We hear mm-hmm. a lot of early Now Now clips uh, from before he came on. We don't see much of James Ford in the documentary. But everything we hear of these early Now Now versions, to me, was significantly better than what ended up on that record. I gotta say, I had the opposite reaction. I thought that NS does sounded good, but uh, but I liked hearing the noodlier versions so that I could appreciate the focus of the album versions. I'll also say this because I didn't say it in any of the other chats that I've had so far tonight. I the way that this movie is cut, where we just like in order, we do humans recording, humans tour, now now recording, now now tour. It this this documentary I think makes a case that the now now material is the stronger material between the two. I oh, could really? not disagree more. I I felt <laughs> I felt more bowled over by the now now material in this context than the humans material. But I don't know what to I don't know what to what I should equate that. But I guess I, I guess agree to disagree. I thought seeing James Ford sitting at that console with his little pudgy smiling face was a was a lovely thing. I liked seeing him giggle. I liked when uh when he reacts to uh Damon's Lake Zurich monologue. He goes, "Oh, that was pretty cool." Yeah, I like I that. that. Uh, no disrespect to James Ford, but he fucked it up. Um, <laughs> you hear some of the early trans from before James Ford got involved, I think. And it I is that was a, way worse. It is a Banger! You, you're out of your mind. Wow. It is a, I think that it might be less uh, focused. Focused for sure, but I think the early non stuff we hear is all significantly moodier than what we got on the album. It just sounds more iPad-y lot, to me. I don't know. Maybe I got Maybe I got to watch it again, trying to see it through the eyes and ears of a of a Ryan Hughes, and I'll understand what I, you mean. I think that would be recommended when this thing gets its digital release. And. Uh, um, for trans, I want to point out real quick that early version that Damon is shooting a ray gun on it and scraping it across like a That's bench. a real thing. And it's the same ray gun from Hong Kong it's in, which I thought was pretty cool. Oh, oh, let me bring up one other thing that I haven't mentioned on any of these calls so far, so I'm just going to do it here. Uh, Alright. That one moment where, uh, where Jamie Hewlett says... I mean, ideally, we would just get Daffy Duck to be the basis. Yeah. Uh, that made me understand having Ace from Powerpuff Girls as Gorilla's basis in Phase 5 more than anything else so far. Because it, it really clicked for me that, like, oh, right, if Gorilla's is, is down a member, they have to go out and find another cartoon character to fill in. Yeah. They can't, they can't hire Flea or Victor Wooten or whatever, they have to fucking go find Droopy Dog, and they called around and Ace was available. Suddenly it made way more sense to me than it ever had. I, I love, I want to hear the phone call between, uh, I guess it would give it to Russell, between Russell and, uh, and Daffy Duck, as Russell tries to <laughs> coerce Daffy Duck into 
you know, going on tour with um, with Gorillaz and recording this next record. He's like, yeah, I, got, I got a lot going plans. on. It's you know, it's duck season, and and I got a you know, there's just a lot going on. I can't make it. I'm sorry. Maybe Daffy Duck has a really bad like history with 2D and didn't want to like and didn't want to dredge up those bad memories. Could to be try to get out of it as best way possible. Could be. There's a lot in there. Somebody write it. Somebody write what it. You, what about you, Hans? Anything so they can read it. Any anything, Hans, on the kind of uh, abstract, uh, unfocused things or feelings you'd like to share? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would. I have like probably two or three things to say that are quick. Um, yeah. The Rejects False Icons as a documentary is kind of like, I would say, a little, what's the word, uh, unfocused, maybe? Oh, I <laughs> think that's a fair and word like, there's not, And unlike Bananas, there's not really that much of a narrative going through, besides like, oh, they made this album, and they then they went on tour, then they made this album and went on tour. Um, but as a fan document and a collage of like interesting events slash you know moments in the studio i think it succeeds well in that department absolutely uh, when you're a diehard you can fill all those things in and also after watching all the live segments in the thing at first before going into this uh i kind of have the opinion where i didn't want that much live stuff to begin with but after watching how all that was edited into the movie and like how well most of it was shot i honestly would probably prefer is this kind of an unpopular opinion probably would have preferred a live film maybe like a live film compilation I, I don't think there's i don't think you can say a, a bad word about denim's photography i thought that the movie looked absolutely gorgeous yeah it, like the the uh editing during clint eastwood and ascension was really amazing and uh, yeah that's that's my i was distracted because there was this little lady sitting next to me who was like Head banging from the fucking ceiling to the floor through that whole sequence. So yeah, it was it was a little bit. I, I couldn't quite keep my eyes on the screen because I was worried about this gal sitting next to me who was going full full head bang. <laughs> I guess uh, as an anecdote, I had a moment like that where I was that person on the Gorillas 2010 tour when I saw them play Plastic Beach uh, shows. Oh, really? I was the person head banging in the seats and the person next to me seemed really upset about it well i mean live music fuck them <laughs> fuck there's them. a there was a video online i went to see them in the 2010 tour and someone taped cloud of unknowing and uh i was cheering throughout the whole song because i was a dumb 10 year old and i guess someone in the comments section insulted my woos it was pretty because <laughs> 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 it picked up my my woos and like i guess and it pretty hurt. It hurt me a little bit when I was. Oh 10. no, Hans! You <laughs> yeah, ruined, it's, it's you ruined that bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the realization yeah. that your um that your that your enjoyment of a concert is not limited to you <laughs> is a <laughs> is a defining moment of your teenage years. I think. Yeah, as your brain <laughs> develops its, its empathy centers. For a second, uh, Ryan, I thought you said gorillization. And I was like, oh, that's going to be a new segment on the Write show. Write that down, yeah. What did we, what did we gorillaize today? I gorillaized that maybe reject false icons if you just sat it in front of somebody who'd never heard of this band before. They might be scratching their head and getting restless. But if you've gone on this crazy ride across this Albarnesance and followed things as closely as we have, you couldn't have asked for a better present to the fans. I agree. 
Um, okay, boys, free the sea. Hashtag free the sea. Uh, I, I, Hashtag free the I sea. have faith that it's going to happen. I think we'll get something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and until until we speak again, thank you so much, boys, for all you've done for the fan community. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing your feelings. Always a always a joy, always a pleasure. So glad we got to kind of not maybe face to face, but in a weird way, in tandem with each other, have this shared gorillas experience, right? Yeah, Indeed. I think it's yeah. uh, it's another magical moment on a mountain of magical. Uh, moments. Yeah, when I when I am killed in some sort of a car accident and all of my gorillas moments flash before my eyes, this documentary is going to have a big moment in that montage for sure. That's very sweet to hear. Yeah, when I die in that car crash. Okay, uh, Hans Hughes, finest kind. Anytime, you're always welcome back. All right, all right. love you very us, much, Dylan. Dylan. Thank you for having us. Bye, gents. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Ryan and Hunts, ladies and gents, they're just not going to stop until that sea is free. Uh, unfortunately, it's just about time we stop, though. Uh, we've got one more call to play, of course. Uh, Dylan and I circling back up to talk about our opinion. Uh, classic Howley Monkey style, one-on-one. Um, and that'll be the end of the episode, so I'll take the opportunity now to thank everyone for listening and recommend that you follow us on Twitter and uh, join our Discord, which is probably more active than, than our show is haha <laughs> good jokes guys good jokes i liked that one uh but yeah uh be on the lookout for more episodes sometime in the future maybe you'll get them when you deserve them i don't know if that one's gonna play super well but okay one last time let's go to the phones this is trevor Ickraff, host of Howley Monkeys, the number one gorilla podcast in the world. Okay, it's uh, it's it's after we see the movie, Trevor, and we're reconvening on the mic. And I've been so hyped, like from the moment I got out of the theater, I've been looking forward to talking to you about this film, Dylan. I think the moment I got out of the theater, I was looking forward to like not talking about or thinking about the movie and going home and going to bed, personally. Okay, so maybe we had different reactions to this thing. Tell me, Dylan, what did you think of Reject False Icons, the Gorillas tour documentary? Well, let's let's ease into it first because I was curious to know if there was any good Gorillas fan people watching to be done at your screening. Oh, sure, definitely a little bit. I wanted to ask you how full your theater was. Mine was about halfway full, I would say. I would guess so kind of empty towards the beginning, but enough people showed up to like feel like an actual event by like the time the show started i would guess three fifths to three quarters of the way full for me did you have any like cosplayers or anything i did not see any cosplay i saw a lot of band t-shirts um and the mvp of my screening was this little gal who sat down to my left uh directly on my left and whenever a song would come on that she particularly enjoyed she would start headbanging uh right like like full, like full Wayne's World, all the way up to all the way down, headbanging. Not just a nod. This was a fucking hair flying headbang. Notable people at my showing, I think, was this one guy who must have been in like his forties or fifties that I caught before going in. He was on the phone with somebody. All I really heard of his conversation was, "All right, man, I gotta go. I'm uh, I'm watching this uh, this documentary with my stepson." <laughs> Which I feel like it's like I'm watching this documentary is underserving the experience, you know? Wow, what a what a stepfather of the year for sure. Stepfather. Of I the feel year. like there were. De- I I saw. I definitely saw a couple of like stepdads with their like 
12 to 14 year old You know kids. what? No, yeah, I did too. I saw one pair of a, of a, of a pre-teenager and an older man. I did see that. I didn't have any headbangers in my audience. The most vocal reaction I think we got, besides like laughs every now and then, was uh, when they finally showed a picture of Ace and one person sitting in front of me clapped. <laughs> That's your MVP. That's the MVP yeah. of your screening. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay, so so I so the thing I thought I would do is, because when I got out of the theater, Ryan Hughes texted me four-word review. So maybe we can both give our four-word reviews of the movie. Okay, yeah, let me think for one second. Sure, you want me to give mine? Yeah, what's yours? Uh, it, it is intermittently delightful, semicolon, tour overload. Okay. I guess mine was, I guess mine would be like, incoherent but quite fun <laughs> sure i was thinking like, there was there was let's talk about it there is not much of a narrative to this documentary oh certainly not not even like any- as somebody who has followed gorillas for the last three years and is like has done a podcast about them i could trace what was going on and where we were at in the story right but if you just plunked me down there it's like hey here's what my favorite band has been up to for the last three years i would be like what? Yeah, the only the only guidance you get are those goalposts of the section titles. Um, yeah, and there were some like cards like in front of stuff like the Demon Days Festival. How about I loved like I think pretty like emblematic of the incoherence to it. The first Demon Days Festival at Margate was represented by nothing but the cool band and the band taking the stage. In the in the clan uniforms, and then David like shaking his fist in triumph, and then that was it. That's all as we got. As far as the documentary is concerned, <laughs> that's all that happened at the Margie Festival. <laughs> like, okay, we showed that. Moving on. And you Let's know, go. We got a lot of ground to cover. Bananas is also cut in a very mise en scene way. Um, but that's true. But the difference, I think, is that Carrie was asking people a lot of questions uh, to get like some context and framing about things that were going on, you know, where it always, right. just... whereas Denon took a real, took much more of like an atmospheric approach. I feel like it's very fly on the wall, very fly on the wall. Yep. Uh, how many times do you think we were made to watch that huddle, that pre-show huddle? I wanted to talk to you about this because I was actually quite a fan of that whole like construction where we just kept every now and then intermittently going back to these like pre-show prayer circles and seeing the size of the group expand and kind of shrink and then grow back to even greater size. I really liked those, especially with all like the quick cuts and all the antics going on. I felt like they were nice centering moments, which I imagine is how the people in the band must have looked to them as well. To me, they just really nailed down the feeling that I was like trapped in this loop. Uh, because I, I thought my, my general feeling of it was that like the tour stuff was really beautifully photographed. Like I, I thought the movie looked gorgeous. Uh, yeah, what was that whole scene where Denholm and I think it was Evan go to like some kind of Buddhist temple or something with all these orange the, and blue lights? It was the first color moment of the whole, uh, movie, except for some like little snippets of animation here and there. So it really felt like, 
you know, you you emerged from Kansas into Oz. It was suddenly so kind of striking. I thought that beautiful. part was incredibly striking, and I think it like uh, it's in a lot of like cinema like cinema cinematography cinematographic talent on Denim. I think part. it's is that a word cinematographic. Yeah, yeah cinem- I can't even say cin- it. Cinematographical. I don't know. Cinematic talent. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and like so much of the like double exposure stuff that he was doing during the live footage where he would kind of like, you know, low contrast overlay some of the live visuals like over the super high contrast, super bold color, really epically dramatically framed performance footage was like. Those performances were really, I feel like, artfully edited as well. There were some really cool cuts and stuff like that going on there, too. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the coolest cut, I thought, was during uh, Garage Palace when Little Sims is doing that verse and it cross-fades into her doing the same verse in the studio. Like, that was fucking really cool. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but there's just so much of the tour footage. And I think I would have like locked into that a little bit better if it was like, here's a here's a tour documentary of like, you know, here's the best here's the best strobe light they did, here's the best this they did, but the kind of the 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 sort of rambling minute and a half long edit montage just made it feel a little bit endless and felt kind of like so much less dynamic to watch uh, than the behind the scenes studio stuff of which I felt I could have used significantly more. I also would have enjoyed more stuff focusing on the making of the albums because I always enjoy really, I, I always really enjoy seeing how the gorillas records come together. And there's always so much cool sounding stuff that inevitably gets left on the cutting room floor. Like what was that one scene early in the movie where, Damon and uh, I think it was Twilight Zone and one other guy were just in a room full of synths and they were doing this really like oh, psychedelic yeah. it was, synth it was, uh, on some kind of like motoric beat or something. It was the Jean the, awesome. It was the Jean Michel Jarre studio and that was part of the, the moments uh, sessions. What eventually became that little synth bridge towards the end of moments grew out of those jams. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think that was one of the first great Damon Auburn moments in this documentary, too. Can we talk about, like, what a holy terror Damon Auburn was in this documentary? Oh, sure. I think I might have, like, told you in our, told you before we saw it that I was maybe expecting the same on some, like, better behavior. But he was, like, a monster in this thing. I thought he was a a, a big charmer. I loved him as a, as a little Oh, me little too, prank because <laughs> the more annoying Damon is, the more I'm going to enjoy him, and I thought he was super annoying in this one. Yeah, it, like there's tons of shots of him just playing like instruments you don't want to hear one person playing, like vibes or something. There's one point where he gets a, a present from somebody and he opens it. And it's a small drum. They're in a car. He opens this present. And it's a small drum, and he immediately starts banging it. I couldn't stop thinking about how annoying that must have been. I mean, a small car with Damon, and he just banging this drum yeah could you imagine everybody rubbing their heads when they saw him open that thing i uh I, yeah I, went... I don't know if my favorite damon moment was during that first synth, synth sequence where he like just starts yelling like i'm gonna fuck them all or something <laughs> or that, that one sequence where he like wanders into a dressing room hung over wearing like a t-shirt and some like white underwear 
holding like a bottle of alcohol and just mumbling about how like nobody woke him up. You yeah. remember that part? Yeah, and everybody else is asleep. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, lots I, of good Damon stuff. Lots and lots of good Damon stuff. Uh, uh, I I uh, I went with my friend Jeff uh, Jeff Smith, who likes he likes Gorillas, and he's very familiar with the album Demon Days, but like pretty unfamiliar with these two phases, other than when he's like listened to our show. Uh, and I I was trying to get his take on what he had seen. And the, the sense that he, I don't know if he said it exactly this way, but what he basically told me was like, to the extent that the movie works for me at all, it's because it's very funny to watch Damon Albarn being a, a little nut, being a, a goofball, yeah. kooky, uh, mad genius. So it's good to know that at least that makes for, for you know, a, a gripping viewing if you approach from a more casual angle as well, I wanted to get like canonically your favorite musical moment and your favorite non-musical moment of the documentary. My favorite non-musical moment would probably be easier. Um, first off, purpose by saying there wasn't a lot of Jamie in this film. No, I think because I was almost kind of expecting so little that I was like somewhat, happy with the amount that I did get. Uh, Me too. And my favorite moment was a Jamie-centric moment. It's towards the very end where they're like getting the final track list for the Now Now together. Oh, this and is Jamie's like, moment. I don't think 1% belongs on the album. Because at that point I was like, they're just like me. They talk about the same things I do. Yeah, and, and that little mock fight they have that ends with a big hug. I mean, how do you beat that? Yeah. That's so beautiful. That was very good. Was very good. That was very close to being my non-musical moment too. I'm glad that you picked it because it makes me feel freer to pick mine, which is seeing David Albarn reacting to Ben Mendelsohn going like full demon voice in the studio, just like looking All at the... looking at Denim into the camera, just like with giddy excitement and terror. It was so good. It was so good. All of the Ben Mendelsohn stuff was great. I'm so glad we got more of his session. Yeah, that like, stuff was gold. Particularly, we got the full version of the Shake That Little Ass clip. Yeah, right? And it was even better, like mixed in 5.1. It sounded sounded great. It was fantastic. I, I have to assume we've heard most of that reel by now, if not all of it. I don't know. There, there seemed to be a lot of pages that Damon was showing him of things he could say if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah, release the whole transcript, guys. But, Come on. but Denim was very generous with the amount that he that he put into the film, for sure. Um, you you want to search a little more for your musical moment in your memory while I give mine, or you you got one ready to go? My favorite musical moment. I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed seeing Stephen Everett hold that really long note in strobe light and the way Denim cut multiple performances back to back as the note was going on. I thought that was really cool. Jeff Smith also pointed that moment out of how cool it was that he cut that like it was different camera angles of the same performance. And like, yeah, that was yeah. really cool. There's some real artful stuff going on. I was I was quite impressed by Denim with this with this documentary. That's I wasn't a, he's... expecting not really. I I already knew he had a beautiful eye just from the like photographs that we got throughout that tour, but to see that yeah. he like I think he's quite visionary in his aesthetic. I really do. I think maybe maybe the film could have used 
you know, a BBC narrator saying, and now they're in Berlin and joining them on the tour is this person. And here's why that's important. Might make it a more coherent experience. Uh, I'm honestly fine not having it though. I think it's kind of cool that it was more of a vibey thing, you know. It definitely has vibes. There's no denying. Speaking of vibes, I'm glad we. I'm glad we real. I'm glad they really minimized a lot of the like conceptual stuff on the album because I feel like if I had to hear Damon talk about like the concept behind humans one more time, I would have lost it. But I wouldn't have mind seeing that stuff before it had been turned into promotional sound bites. Like I would have, I wouldn't have mind seeing, you know, the, the, the candid Damon saying like, I think I'm going to make a whole second album. And I know, like, I think I can really pull it off. Like I wouldn't have mind minded seeing those kinds of things happen. Um, but, uh, my favorite musical moment, speaking of vibes, it should come as no surprise. It's that beautiful Kalila Damon duet on that earlier version of Busted in Blue with a couple of those different chords and lyrical moments and just like really handing it over to Kalila and Damon coming in behind her. Beautiful, really beautiful with the, and then he starts doing that double exposure and the planets and the stars are kind of like all pink and orange flying at you. Really great. That was definitely a highlight, yeah. All the filming, the collaborators doing their stuff was really good. I really enjoyed seeing the Grace, uh, not the Grace Jones, the, um, who's on Let Me Out? Oh, Mavis Staples, the Mavis Staples thing was awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Mavis, seeing like Mavis Staples practicing with just Damon playing Let Me Out on a acoustic guitar. I thought that was very cool. What do you, what do you make about the, the weirdness of them putting like three extra performances in the post-credits? It felt like the movie was never going to end by that point. <laughs> it kind like, of I did. Thought, first of all, I love using that sequence of Damon sneezing during Hong Kong as great. a bonus post-credit sequence. I had forgotten that that had happened until it like it happened on the screen, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it makes sense." But Hong Kong afterwards, they they closed the Demon Days shows with that, and like uh, it's like they're I don't know, on that's a good tour. song to write on. But then he sneezed, and I was like, oh, yeah, that happened. That would have been a perfect, that would have been, if he'd cut there, that would have been such a fun post-credits thing, right? If they had cut, like, at the sneeze, I would have lost it. Yeah, me too. That would have been super great. But for some, I just don't quite understand why that happened, because it was kind of like, I think, didn't the title card say, like, stay tuned after the credits for, like, theater-exclusive content or something like that, right? But then... Yeah, I'm wondering if that stuff is going to get edited into the main movie Cause, yeah, or the, the home like video release. Yeah, the, the word is that we're getting some kind of a director's cut. I want. I, I just. It's very curious to me that like. So does that mean that everything up into the credits is like a version of this movie that's not going to exist anywhere because because it was just for is the real theater exclusive the hour and forty five minute cut that ends when the credits are over. And and I don't know. I guess we'll see when when those things. I, I guess we'll see. Yeah. The last scene was pretty good too, with uh, Damon kind of razzing Venom a bit. Yeah, that was cute. That felt like a nice little. It felt like something you would debate about putting in the movie because it seems maybe a little too like whatever self involved or something. But like putting it there yeah. is the perfect place to put it because it's like a cute, sweet little moment between them. Um, mm-hmm. I also thought it, it, brought was... up a, brought up a discu- it brought up a discussion question I wanted to ask you. Yes, please. Do that real quick. Uh, so if you had to make a documentary about any one of your dad's friends, <laughs> first of all, 
does your dad have any friends that would make for a good documentary? Uh, Second, which one would it be? Yeah, yeah. He he's got this dude. There's this local theater director named Tony Rust who like who like almost died from cancer and always directs like really dark fucked up shows around town and is also in a covers band that does only full album covers of like classic albums once every month. Uh, I would absolutely make a documentary about that guy. He's interesting. Sure. My, my dad has a friend named George. who's like, uh, who's like, I, th- I think he's a really good guitar player. He's in like a, like a Christian hymnal rock kind of hybrid band cool. that plays shows every now and then. And, uh, he, he's married to a woman that only married him so she could stay within the country. So I think that'd be fun to explore. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Both of these, I guess, uh, go to patreoncom slash monkeys If you want to bankroll documentary movies, we're going to make about our dad's friends. What else is worth talking about in reject false icons? Now uh, we got, how were you shocked to see the cigarette trick happen again? Yes, and we remember I I brought it up in our pre-call. Like, wouldn't it be hacky if it happened? But you know what? I kind of liked it as a little nod to the to banana. Me too. They only spent a split second on it, and it came out of nowhere. It was like the perfect. It was the perfect kind of like wink for those people who would understand the significance of it. You know, because to me, to me, what it told me is that like Damon, the biggest cornball in the universe, has been also attempting that trick throughout the entire tour. But Denim, having some moderation and, and good taste and sense, thought, OK, I'll just do it. The one that he got it right, I'll leave it in there as like a little Easter egg. Right. Instead of making it into a runner. Denim, to kind Denim of, must have he, he must have seen bananas, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, he put he put uh, some of Carrie's footage up front and center in his documentary, the Ibrahim Ferrer uh, performance. Of course, is Carrie Levy's footage uh, heavily featured. And one of my favorite moments is when David Albarn looks up at the screen to watch Ibrahim Ferrer doing his session and goes, "I've never seen this shit." <laughs> <laughs> Which is so great. Of course he's never seen that shit. That dude, he wasn't looking at the screens during the Demon Days performance. He didn't care. He just cared about his performance. And of course he's never watched Bananas. There's no way he has. Probably not. Anyway, that was lovely. But yeah, I absolutely think that Denim watched Bananas and and made uh, intentional choices to, uh, to, to make sure that his piece stood apart. And I think in that respect, he did a really good job. Uh, I, I hopefully will be able to chat with him soon and, and get his insight on all of this. I have lots of questions for the guy. Yeah, get him. Come be on the show. Yeah, I think he, you know, we've been chatting. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, is there anything, is there any, I know it was super heavy on the live stuff, but is there any live stuff from the tour that you would have liked to see but wasn't included? Oh, let me see think let me think i think it would have been great and not just because we were at the show i think it would have been great if they had gotten that great performance of drum showing up for andromeda at the uh forum in LA. that's a good point because they do show him briefly in the andromeda edit piece which is kind of all built around the humans choir um the live humans choir mm-hmm. by the way lots of footage of our girl melanie jb charles 
Uh, yeah, it was so great to see her. Really happy to see her in the in the in the humans album creation footage. I should I should send her a DM on Twitter. First guest to ever come on the show back when we were first getting things fired up. Yeah, she was she was such an easy person to talk to and made us seem a lot better at our jobs than we were at that time. I think. Um, yeah, I think I two things spring to mind. Um, I I thought it it, it would have been nice to see. Uh, Damon do a little of rehash in the gorilla's hoodie. Um, that would have been great. And and similar, there was a little clip of him doing of them rehearsing, rehearsing rehash rehash. the there bonus was, material yeah. at the end. And I wanted to say he starts to play the um, the melody from the song on melodica. Yeah, and he's like and falling way off the of beat. That, <laughs> the first couple notes of that sound exactly like the first couple notes of the whistle solo from All Star by Smash. I Mouth. thought the exact fucking same thing the i was like is he playing thing. fucking all oh no it's the melody no it's from, the melody yeah, of rehash you, makes, just, you just don't makes... think about it until you hear it played on a melodica <laughs> uh, oh dear uh and then i guess the other moment was like jenny beth had a cool little feature where she was doing her her crowd stand thing and uh and just on the like super nerdy place in my heart even though i thought that we got the power edit montage was like a lot of fun to see graham and to see uh uh, uh the oasis Lola brother Gallagher. yeah the oasis brother and and jenny doing her crowd surf thing part of me would not have objected to a high quality soundboard version of of some of jenny's five four i would have enjoyed seeing a little of that um, but otherwise, oh, been very neat. Yeah. but otherwise, you know, I, 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 it's almost like a monkey's paw thing. I, I, there's plenty of tour in the movie. I got enough tour in the movie. I don't need more tour in the movie. Yeah. 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 This is, I don't know if this is going to sound like a knock. It definitely isn't, but I became really aware of like a day or two later of what a potent piece of gorillas media this is going to be for me to put on while I am falling asleep. See, the, the amount of, like, live, uh, raucous performances is probably going to prevent it from falling into my sleep rotation. Oh, I don't mind uh, a little a little raucousness at all. I'll take raucous any time of the night. I'll take if it. If it was all, like, chill vibe stuff, like, behind the scenes, yeah, I'd throw this on and take a snooze. But I don't know if I'd be able, like, you know, I'd be starting to fall asleep, and then Kevin Everton would come in screaming at me or something. They didn't, they didn't include any of, uh, Booty Brown's performance, which definitely would have woken me up because of how loud that guy is. <laughs> yeah, they didn't show him at all, did they? I also could have used a little bit more of De La Soul doing anything behind the scenes as opposed to just shots of Maceo getting ready to do the laugh or doing the laugh. Oh, but the but the shot of him doing the laugh while Damon stood... With the well, fucking like horse just, head? With the horse head on his just head? in the frame, completely still and motionless with the horse mask on was one of my favorite parts. An early highlight, for sure. What a joy. What a That's joy. That's another thing where, like, if I hadn't been a super gorilla fan over the last couple of years, I would have been like, what the fuck is that? Who's the guy with the horse mask? Yeah. But since I've done this podcast, I, I know that was David. That was I was David. enjoy it. Yeah, I, I do think that, like, Denim really gave a gift to the fans, but to the to the fucking fans, the fans. Yeah, yeah, uh, the fans with a Z, with a Z, with a Z. That's that's all we got to say for now. I'm sure we'll really pick this mother apart down the line. We'll have plenty of cause. I will to... say that I will say that in the inevitable Hell Monkeys movie film adaptation, 
I do hope there is a little counter in the corner that goes up whenever I'm whenever my character is forced to watch M1A1. <laughs> it happened again in that theater. Trevor, I'll leave you with this. If there's one thing that I think should have been in this film that was not, uh, it was Del the Funky Homo Sapien falling off the stage to gravely injure himself. Oh man, I forgot about that. Why wasn't it in the movie? I don't know, buddy. That's all I got to say about it, though. <laughs> We'll have to ask. That we'll good. have to ask Denim about what what went to behind because he must have thought about it. He must have considered it. He must have thought about it. Well, we'll we'll get we'll pick his brain and we'll learn all the secrets if he ever comes on the show. We'll get those answers. We'll get those answers. <laughs> but until then, should we sign off? Should I should I say I've been Trevor? Yeah, Rickard? I've been Dylan Flynn, and don't get lost in heaven. We're doing this backwards. Yamo. <laughs> Nobody move. This is an episode of How Are You Milkies. Oh, shit. Right. Okay. We're trying to wean Ramona, and it's a pain in the fucking ass, dude. Oh, well, it's about fucking time. Jesus, I, yeah, man. I know. You've She's been, like, two. You've really been slacking. She's two. And, like... She's, dude, what are you doing? She you and she'll, formula, well, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. With me, with me, it's like it's like a totally different experience. She's totally like chill and like, yeah, we're doing whatever. Oh, you want to watch a video of some cute baby pigs? That sounds fun. Sure, with, love with, it. When Shelly's around, it's need. I want to climb on you. Where are you going? The attachment is not as secure. <laughs> yeah, and the boobs, yeah. the milk is a is yes. a big part of that dynamic, and so she'll start going booze, booze, booze. She thinks that she's. She thinks that she's saying boobs, but she's saying booze. And then, and then Shelly will say, no, we don't do that right now. And then she'll start going, no, 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 no. Uh, and so it's just a struggle. It's just a struggle of will. You just have to reach into your heart and find the callousness, the, the coldness, the void to look into the eyes of a pleading, weeping two-year-old and say, no. Or, or, or. Or you you reach into your wallet and buy yourself some fake breasts and pump them with <laughs> almond milk and breastfeed Ramona yourself. I don't think that would be a step forward. I think that would be a step backwards. I, I mean, it, just an experiment. Just you know, <laughs> my my pitch to Shelly is double mastectomy, right? Oh sure, get yeah. Those, okay. Get those girls lobbed off. Problem solved, <laughs> right? Right, but then then your kid is gonna like be forever scarred by the day the booze went away, and then my wife's torso will also be forever scarred because yeah. <laughs> You know, that's yeah. a serious operation. Um, Lots of things that will be forever scarred. Thank you for joining us for this very special episode of Milky. <laughs> I'm so glad we could get back to this. It's a Christmas miracle, Dylan. The podcast that exists only to annoy Trevor and <laughs>